Hello? Hello? Is this thing on? How are you, Garrett? I'm doing well. How are you, Chloe? I'm doing good. It's just another week of us hosting our podcast. Isn't that crazy? EFBF is in action. Can you believe it? EFBF in the house. Whoop, 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 whoop. (laughs) (laughs) So today we have a really special special and we have a whole hell of a lot to talk about. So let's dive in. Whoa. And today we're going to be discussing Lana Del Rey's new album titled, Did You Know That There's a Tunnel Under Ocean Boulevard? But before we get into today's episode, we are going to have to get into a couple trigger warnings. We just want to make sure that everybody listening feels safe and healthy and taken care of. And we don't want anybody to get triggered or have any negative feelings or self-thoughts after this episode. So we will have a couple triggers today for SA as well as self-harm. So if those are things that you guys can't listen to today, don't want to hear about, totally understand come back next episode and we'll have something upbeat and fun to talk about all right garrett tell me i'm gonna have to pass the baton over to you because if anyone's gonna tell anyone about miss ma'am lana del rey that would be you her biggest fan in the whole world (laughs) tell me everything i need to know well i'm honored a little background on Lana Del Rey. She's a singer-songwriter, born Elizabeth Grant, but more commonly known as Lana Del Rey, born June 21st, 1985 in northern New York. Then in 2005, she moved to the city to pursue her music career. After many projects, she changed her stage name to Lana Del Rey and released her debut album in 2010 named Lana Del Rey, a.k.a. Lizzie Grant. Now, Lizzie Grant is her old stage name, which she had many of and released a lot of music under. So soon after this album, she released her viral hit, Video Games, which gained attention from Interscope Records. Not long after, she dropped her second album, Born to Die, which gained commercial success from songs like Summertime Sadness and Blue Jeans. Now, Born to Die is usually considered her debut album because this is her first album under a major record company. So that's when people could buy CDs from her or vinyl. So that's like her big first album. And after that, she released the deluxe version of Born to Die, which was Paradise Edition, which has some of our favorite songs on it. And ever since then, Miss Del Rey has consistently released albums including Ultraviolence, Honeymoon, Lust for Life, Norman Fucking Rockwell, Kim Trails Over the Country Club, Blue Bannisters, and now, did you know that there's a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard? Lana has become a trailblazer for women in music and continues to raise the bar in every aspect. And now, I cannot wait to discuss her newly released album with my best friend, Ah. Chloe! Oh my gosh. Okay, Garrett, that was such a good recap. And I feel like I actually learned some stuff just from listening (laughs) to you do that recap. Um, Two things that I just want to touch on are my favorite album, which you obviously just mentioned, but Paradise has to be my favorite Lana Del Rey album. And it's so hard because as you were listing out some of those albums, the only one that I'm not like super familiar with is Blue Bannisters. But it's kind of rare to have an artist that you literally love every single album, every song, no matter what. I mean, I do get that from my dad because my dad has a couple of artists that are like ride or die, no matter what, if he likes it or not, he's buying the album. And now I can understand why. And honestly, now that I'm looking at this, I need to get into blue banisters, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. 
So, Garrett, this album has 16 tracks. She gifted us a lot of tracks with this album. She had a lot to say, and I'm glad that she delivered and didn't cut any songs out because I feel like this album is telling her story in a way, and I feel like it's very personal. So I'm glad that we got every detail and she didn't filter out things that she thought would maybe be too much or like maybe people wouldn't be a fan of. Yes, and I love long albums because I find myself picking like five or six songs at the beginning that I become really obsessed with and I love and I listen on repeat. And then the longer I have the album on my phone or let's say I have the record, I later get into those other songs that I wasn't as into at the beginning. And it's like two for one, you know, it's like a BOGO sale and everybody loves buy one, get one. So I love it. And this is a really interesting album to me because it feels very new and modern for Lana. There are some things here that she really hasn't done before, but then there's also some serious like nostalgia. She's like referencing herself. I feel like I've been talking about nostalgia so much lately, but it's weird because Lana and Miley both recently came out with albums where they kind of referenced themselves and it's giving me that nostalgic feeling. I just can't deny it. I completely agree. I feel like this album's very nostalgic. I, I feel like she referenced a lot of her past work in this album. And I think it pops up in several tracks. And I'm excited to see like what, what you picked out and what I picked out and see if it lined up or see if we could like pick something different for each other. Well, I can go ahead and tell you a lot of it lined up because as we were typing our notes, every time you would beat me to a specific song, I would be like, damn it, he already wrote down every single lyric that i had written down on my phone and i was transferring onto here we always pick out the same stuff but let's go ahead and dive into song number one the grants it is such a good title and it reminds me the second thing i was going to mention during your intro there and i forgot was i can't believe lana even ever changed her name i mean the name lana del rey is so iconic But so is the name Elizabeth Grant and Lizzie Grant. I mean, she's one of those few people in the world that were already born with a star quality name. Exactly. Let me pick pick another one. I can imagine. Like like I said, though, like she's changed her name so many times. And I don't think it was necessary. Like the Grant, like she obviously still loves it because she named the first track after it. So I love the last name. And I would like to, if I could talk to Lana, I would like to discuss her stage name like what went into the backstory of picking lana del rey oh my gosh i would love to know that i wonder if it's del rey beach or not i just want to know hmm i want to know let us know lana we know you're listening so oh my god don't tell me lana is listening i will black out (laughs) okay so song number one the grants introduction into the album I thought that the music was beautiful to this. It gives me very much gospel vibes, but it also feels sad. So specific lyrics that stood out to me were, do you think about heaven? Do you think about me? I personally think this song is a lot about taking memories with you when you pass away. She kind of talks about that. She dives into it. And it's kind of like that's the only thing that you can take. So perhaps that's really like the most precious thing in the world um and it really just felt like an old song to me like it made me think of family and the importance of like familial bonds and memories no matter what and I thought it was really pretty really sad but it also is just like so gospel-y to me and it just it sounds like an old song do you do you know what I mean 
I agree. I, it does feel nostalgic and it feels like past references, like your past songs were included in this somehow. And it feels like you said, nostalgic in a way and very gospel, I would say. I think this is a very strong start to the album and I find it very interesting because the first words Lana say are, so you say there's a chance for us. Should I do a dance for once? First of all, it starts with the question and in this album, Lana asks a lot of questions. I don't know if you picked up on that, but she has a lot she wants to know. So she, there's a lot of questions and I find it interesting that this is the first question she asks. It feels like she's, this is the first time that she's like, wait, there's a common, someone wants me as well. And this could be maybe my first time being in a relationship that could turn into marriage. Because like we both know, Lana's not in a relationship or she's in a relationship, but she's not engaged. She doesn't have any kids. So this could be maybe playing with that idea that I'm, I want a chance for us. Like, I could even dance right now, but should I? Because I don't want to get my hopes up like I have in the past and get broken down even more. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like this whole song, and honestly, this whole album has a couple of major themes, and I think three of them are family, love, and God. And this has become, like, several of these songs kind of give me gospel or church vibes, and... We'll get into that more as we go along. I mean, even the interlude, one of the interludes is basically a sermon. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. And this is a side of Lana that we have not seen before. And she has always been very wild and free. So it's almost like bizarre, but in a good way. It's so different. I don't know what to think almost. It's very personal. I feel like... I'm listening to things or I'm getting told things that only her friends would know for some right. reason. Like I'm getting very into who Elizabeth Grant is. We're not getting to know Lana Del Rey. We're getting to know Elizabeth, I think, in this album. Oh my gosh, that's such an interesting perspective. I think you're totally right. That's crazy. I hadn't thought of it that way, but I think so far every album that we've heard that is Lana Del Rey is very much Lana Del Rey, who is ultimately a persona exactly so wow that that's interesting maybe this is elizabeth grant after all okay i like it let's roll with it i think it was a statement starting a song with her last name that not a lot of people would know is her last name like mm -hmm. the grants if you like just are a lana del rey listener you have no idea really what that means and i think it's interesting too that she talks about her sister her father her brother in this song so it all kind of mm -hmm. connects like you said with the common theme family is a very big theme in this album and it's a strong start with the title it's also interesting because she does something that not very many artists ever do she names names about her family in this album okay so the next song is the namesake of the album. Do you know that there's a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard? And I thought right off the bat, it's very classic Lana from like the, her earlier albums. It reminds me a lot of Paradise. Um, it's a slow song, but I think the chorus is amazing. And one of the notable quotes for me were, open me up, tell me you like it fuck me to death and a second notable quote for me was i just wish i had a friend like him someone to give me fire leaning in my back whispering in my ear come on baby you can drive so open me up tell me you like me 
or sorry, open me up, tell me you like it, fuck me to death. That's just like super raw and intense and like almost toxic levels of passion and intensity and lust. This feels more like lust than love to me. Um, and that reminds me a lot of some early Lana songs. We've got like gods and monsters and stuff like that, where she, she references this kind of lust and super intense, passionate relationship. But as we've learned throughout the years, that's not usually very sustainable. And then I just wish I had a friend like him, someone to give me fire, leaning in my back, whispering in my ear, come on, baby, you can drive. This was interesting to me. I wonder who she's talking about here because it's it's rare to have a person in your life that can literally say something to you and that gives you enough of the like confidence to be able to do things. Um, I'm just interested who, who who she could be talking to. What did, What were your thoughts on this song? So this song was very interesting to me because of the title. I think it was a very strong choice of choosing this song to be the title track did you know that there's a tunnel under ocean boulevard um it was the first single from this album so it was the first sound that we've heard and i think like you said it's very reminiscent of paradise it has elements of that it's very um old lana and there's a lot of production work here i love the orchestra that she Mm -hmm. used there was some violins in it which kind of brought me back to um paradise and for me as well, there was two lyrics that stood out. One that followed your lyric says, um, you just talked about open me up, tell me you like it, fuck me to death, love me until I love myself. And I think that's oh. very interesting. Like, mm-hmm. you love me or just like, tell me you like it and love me until I can also agree with you like that I am worthy, that I love myself, you know? I can't, so I thought that was very interesting choice of words. It is interesting, and it's interesting that you point that out because that's really not how things work, you know? We And we've learned that, and we talked about that with Miley, who's on the other end of that spectrum, being like, I got to love myself first before anyone can love me. And I think, in my opinion, that that's a healthier take on life. Um, But one thing we know about Lana, at least the persona Lana Del Rey, not, not necessarily about Elizabeth Grant, but I don't know. One thing we know about Lana Del Rey is she's always, always referencing doing things that are, like, bad for her or unhealthy. Mm -hmm. Um, She's always talking about, you know, like, maybe hooking up with random guys or, like, doing drugs or drinking or smoking or being sad all the time or, like, romanticizing these things that aren't really healthy or good. So it's interesting that you pick out that, that lyric and that, again, it sounds like she's romanticizing a toxic relationship. I 110% agree. And the other lyric that really stood out to me is, she repeats this lyric throughout the song, when is it going to be my turn? She's, I don't know what she's kind of referring to, but she could be referring to a relationship, like like kind of Miley. She's kind of ready to mm-hmm. be past boyfriend stages and kind of become a wife, maybe a mother. Um, so I thought that lyric could be taken in very different ways. Yeah, and that's one thing about Lana is I feel like a lot of her songs, you can sort of pick and choose lyrics and apply them to your life in different ways. So Lana uses a lot of examples in her songs that are things that the normal person cannot relate to. We cannot relate to wearing diamonds on Skid Row, okay? That's a death sentence. That's crazy talk. But 
you can always sort of pick and choose and take these things and apply them to your life in your own way because her songs are poetry. She is a complete poet and I don't know. I just really like it. I think that it's it's cool and it's interesting, but this was not one of my favorite songs off of the album. Where where are you on that? I agree. This isn't... I All right, so in my mind, this album starts very slow. I think you can yes. agree that there's a turning point in this album where we kind of get like a switch in attitude. So I think all of the beginning songs we're going to see are very slow, are very wordy that she has something to say she's there's points she wants to make so i think we're getting through the thick of it right now like we're in it like she's giving us a vision and you'll we'll talk about the switch of the attitudes but right now i feel like she's released this because there was a point she wanted to make with the song in my opinion yes yeah and i think the first half of the album is definitely slow but this is one of her slower albums just yes. in general and she has a couple slower albums, and she's been getting a little bit slower the older she gets, I would say, in general. But let's talk about Sweet next. This one, I think, is also, like, lyrically interesting, and I feel like this one does also read, or not read, but it sounds like a poem when you're listening to it again. And it also... Like we were just saying, it is one of the slower songs, but it might be one that I feel like will grow on me the more that I listen to it. And Garrett, I don't know if you picked up on this, but I was like having to put my detective cap on and jump between two different songs because the th I think it's like the third to last verse. She sings, I don't remember exactly how it goes, but she sings the lyrics in the woods somewhere in the night in the heart of the valley. And the way she sings it, and it sounds so much like the Paradise album, it's crazy to me. And if you didn't hear that, I, I need you to go back and listen for that one line. I'm pretty sure it's the third to last verse. And then go click over to Yayo, and it she she it is exactly the same. It's crazy. Interesting. I didn't pick that up, so I will have to go back and listen to this. This is only the third song, and we're already getting common themes throughout the album. One thing I think about, like you just mentioned, locations. She says, hiking up Griffin. She talks about the Midwest. So there's a lot of location in this song, and I find it very interesting. And another common theme I see is asking questions. In this song, there's a lot of questions asked. She says, "Do you want my or do you want children? Do you want to marry me? Do you want to run marathons, marathons in Long Beach by the sea?" Just, I don't know where these are coming from, but I don't know if she's scared to ask this maybe in a real relationship, so she's putting it into a song, or maybe mm -hmm. this might be previous relationships that she was scared to ask partners and that she's trying to work on. But I find that very interesting in this song was how many questions like i'm looking at the lyrics right now and like every line's a question so i don't she's know she's really wondering a lot right now she wants her answers yeah so i know a lot of women out there want some answers i think that's a common theme that's something yeah. that can be relatable i also have picked up on how many different locations and it kind of gives the feeling of like almost like backpacking or like hitchhiking or like a rough and dirty trip a rough and dirty rough country trip 
like she's where going you're to, like, like hiking or something like, like she's going from like, she's going from hotel to hotel because like we get into a and w and she's talking about like mm-hmm. hotel so like i don't know she feels like she's on the go and this album mm-hmm. she's like going to different parts of america and but it feels like kind of dirty and grungy too yeah. which goes back to that traditional lana as well like some of her earlier music videos are so dirty and so grungy but she romanticizes it and she makes it so beautiful somehow that it like created a whole new wave a whole new era in pop culture yeah so i mean she is so iconic so next we're gonna get into my favorite song off the album and this was the first song that i heard off the album and we touched on it a little bit last week, but now we're really gonna like just get in there with a knife and fork. So A N W, which stands for American Whore. Uh, where do we even begin here? I don't even know where to get begin. Garrett said it best the first time that we listened to it. He was like, "Just prepare yourself because at the end, bitch goes crazy," and he was right. She does. Um, in my opinion here the lyrics are immaculate and every time that you listen they get better and the more you listen and the more you understand the better it gets she's got kind of a new sound here at the end of the song this is one of those more like kind of modern twists at the end the beginning is very traditional lana sounds just like lana the end it's like whoa hang on She's feeling spunky. She's feeling a little ants in her pants. And I love it so fucking much. Like, I jam so hard. This one has been living rent-free in my head nonstop since I heard it for the first time. I cannot stop singing different parts of it at different times. And talk about talk about lana calling sean out for me garrett because you are way more educated than i am here allegedly this song is about sean and if you don't know who sean is sean is a host of cops the tv show that like shows like crazy cop interactions so lana was dating the show cops i just hate sean but no cops is such a good show a little sidetrack me and uh, me and lana me and chloe used to be obsessed with watching cops together when she was in her apartment so anywho it was one of the few channels that I could afford on TV, so <laughs> I would watch it all the time. It was so good. Uh, so anyway, allegedly this song is about Sean, and the T is, I did not know this, so alleged, he was seeing someone else while he was seeing Lana and got engaged to a woman while him and Lana were together. Like Which I said, is this... like laughable because who gets engaged to another woman when you have the queen? Exactly. What the hell? What the hell? I was in shock when I heard that because I loved Sean and Lana's relationship. But I believe the story now because at the end, she says, and I quote, she says, puts the shower on while he calls me, slips out the back door to talk to me. I'm invisible. Look how you hold me. I'm invisible. I'm invisible. I'm a ghost now. Look how you hold me. So right there, he's being sneaky. He's hiding out, sneaking out the back door to talk to her, putting the shower on so no one can hear him talk to her. And that's some shady business right there. And I don't appreciate that, Mr. Sean. So one thing that Lana did, though this is like not about the song right now, but Petty Lana, she'd released one billboard for promoting this album. It was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where Mr. Sean's from. 
So oh F you, God. Sean. Don't be mean to that my girl, so Lana. That is so iconic. And oh, Lana, I love you. Yeah, so, and she posted oh. a picture of it on Instagram, and she said, it's personal. <laughs> Shots fired. It's also, uh, it's cool. It, it's interesting that she says, I'm a ghost now. It's almost like she's saying, like, what you just did, like, you killed me. That killed me. I'm a ghost now, and I'm invisible, and you made me feel invisible. And look how you left so me. So sad. It's so it's such a sad song, but it's such an amazing song, and then it ends just fucking crazy. So I love every second of it. I There's, really do. I want to get into one lyric that I think is really important, and it goes back to the trigger warning at the beginning of this episode. Okay, so the lyrics okay. are, if I told you that I was raped, do you really think that anybody would think I didn't ask for it? I didn't ask for it. I won't testify. I already fucked up my story. On top of this, so many other things you cannot believe. And those lyrics are very powerful. And she touches on this a little more in fingertips. But I think this right here, she's saying, even if I told you guys what happened, no one's going to believe me. It's another his story against mine situation. And it's another heartbreaking tale of women feeling that they can't come forward because they feel like they won't be believed. It's something that unfortunately way too many women can relate to. And this is a hard hitter. It gets me every single time, unfortunately, but I think also fortunately because it is so powerful. This is one of those lyrics that really replays in my head all the time. Like this one specific section I come back to and think about all the time. It's so heartbreaking to hear the way that she sings it and the way that she says it. It feels so honest. It feels like the, there's no way on earth that what she's saying right in that moment isn't true. Like it it hurts to hear. It's hurt. It's hard to listen to. I think it's also interesting to, when she says after that lyric, not right after, but later in the song, she says, this is the experience of being an American whore. Because guess what? She's going to be labeled a whore if she comes out and says anything about it. This is also the part of the song where she talks about being a side piece at the age of 33. Mm-hmm. And that's all thanks to Sean. And that all goes back into this like feeling of love and family and God that goes into this whole really, um, this whole album. Is It really makes me think that she wants that traditional life style maybe now or maybe she feels some sort of like guilt or um responsibility to live up to like the same lifestyle that her siblings might have chosen that her family might have wanted for her that they originally thought and instead she became some global sensation and now she's like maybe thinking about the life that she's not having right now because of the one that she's in. Well, I don't know. I love this song so much, though. It's funny that you talk about family again because this song opens up with, I haven't done a cartwheel since I was nine. I haven't seen my mother in a long, long time. And if you know Lana, her and her mother do not have a relationship right now. It makes this album feel even more personal knowing that she spoke about her mother and when she doesn't usually do that especially in a light that's not a positive light so Mm -hmm. it's scary to even theorize or hypothesize do you know what happened Garrett, or is this like i don't know she doesn't really talk about any theories or anything lana doesn't really lana doesn't talk about this situation a lot which i don't blame her she's done a little bit in blue banisters with wildflower wildfire she talks about the situation a little bit i just know Mm -hmm. there's tension there for some reason i know i think it's with her 
um, boarding school days when she was um, taken away. I think there's a lot mm-hmm. of um, trauma there for Lana. I think there might be some resentment there, but I also know that she's really close with her brother and sister and father still. So I don't know if it's if the mother's the common denominator that no one speaks to or if it's just Lana. I don't know. I don't really know about that situation a lot, but I just know yeah. it's, it's probably a very touchy subject for Lana. And that's why I feel like this is such a personal song even more because like that's a, information that like she's giving to the whole world. Like that's very personal. I would be very interested to know, like you just said, whether it's just Lana that has this cold cut from her mom and is completely separated or if the entire family has severed tied from t- has severed ties from her um and just like you pointed out as well i think that it's interesting my main thought when it comes to that one line about her mother is that it's so interesting that she almost never mentions her and she doesn't really mention her dad that often until this album i don't know if she's ever even mentioned her father before maybe once or twice but this album is so much about family and really mostly about her father out of any member of her family. But yeah, so it's just interesting that out of the whole album, like you said, she's so positive about her father and then her mother, it's dismissive. I wonder if they're together still. I don't know if the, if Rob... I don't know either. I feel like no. I feel no either, he's, but... he's about to release an album, which he had to do with, so... I don't know. I don't know what to say there. I'm going to stay out of it for legal reasons. (laughs) Allegedly. All alleged. I'm I'm allegedly going to stay out of it because the grants allegedly have a lot of money. (laughs) Which I think this is perfect timing to jump to the next track. Judah Smith interlude. I don't have a whole lot to say here. I think that the background music is pretty. It's basically just a church sermon, and Lana is loving it. Interestingly, it was written by Jack Antonoff with Judas Smith and Lana Del Rey. I found that a little interesting. But I also it kind of it kind of gives me PTSD to church days, to be honest. I find it very interesting as well i think it was added for a purpose that purpose i do not know mm-hmm. but one interesting thought i had about this was they talk a lot about lust in this sermon you could say and it's funny because miss lana Dore has a title or an album called lust for life we so, know she's a lustful kind of person so i don't know if what they were doing with this track, I would love to like talk to Lana about this track. You'd be like, why did you include it? Is like it personal to you? Did, like, was it actually a real church sermon, or was like it just like in the studio recorded like between a couple people? So I would like to know that information. But like you said, not a lot to say about it. It's an interlude. Lana's not on it. She giggles a little bit, but that's about it for that track. I mean, she is on it because she's giggling and she's commenting, and it sounds like. It's so weird for me because it like sounds like a southern church service to me very much whisper? so and and it sounds like Lana's in the pews or like in the crowd whatever you want to say in the congregation and she's taking notes in a little notebook yeah. probably in her bible or her bible notebook and she's like oh that's cool 
Like, that's good stuff. Basically, it's just, like, weird. And to me, in my opinion, a lot of church stuff these days makes me think of, like, like, organized religions just really make me think about cults. Like, I know that's a super hot take, but this whole thing has that weird kind of eerie it's, cult vibe It's to very it. eerie. This track is eerie. When I put it on, like, something's a little off here. And I, in my head, I just imagine Lana with her cracked iPhone like voice recording on her phone like oh my god like this is magic right <laughs> yes that's hilarious and this is in my opinion this is where things kind of take a creepy turn for yes. like until the last four or five tracks um i feel like we're like we're transitioning to like the middle era of this album kind of like we're getting to yes. the the meat yes this is like the weird eerie meat the creepy meat and I, me. that leads perfectly into the next track, Candy Necklace, featuring John Baptiste. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. And this track is a grower to me. I think mm-hmm. that every time I listen to it, it reminds me of A&W where I'm figuring out more as I listen to it. My favorite part yes. is the ending where... Um, it's like where she repeats Candy Necklaces and his voice is on top of it. And like they're... The way she sings it, I think, is very... The delivery of the song is very interesting. Yes. Okay, so I'm completely on the same page with you as far as it's, like, one of those songs I'm just going to have to keep listening to, and I'm going to like it more and more. Um, I feel like there's a lot of, like, hidden messages in this one. I feel like there's stuff that I don't understand. Like, I don't know what candy necklace means, but I tried to Urban Dictionary search it and, like, don't search that on Urban Dictionary because I don't think that that's what she's talking about here. And it was weird. (laughs) Um, So I I don't know what candy necklace means. Like, it feels like it's either a drug thing or a sex thing, but, like, low-key Lana's probably just talking about actual candy necklaces. Literally. (laughs) I can't figure it out, and it's killing me. And it also kind of stresses me out and it kind of creeps me out a tiny bit but I like it and what you were saying about the end um towards the end of the song she just keeps amping up the intensity of the piano and the speed of the piano and I'm like ah what's happening and then like she's singing faster and it feels like she's singing to try and keep up with the music and it's like very stressful but also interesting and I don't know what to think I agree. I think the delivery slash timing on this song is so different. It feels like you said she's trying to like pick up the pace or like try to stay with it and like it gets faster and she's trying to like stay with the song. But I will yeah, say it almost it almost feels like she's like stumbling or it's like accidental or it's like the timing is off or wrong. But like we know that it's intentional because this is the final track. This is the final edit that made it onto the album. Yeah. So it is unique and it is unusual and i dig it but it scares me and i think this song flows perfectly into the next song which is titled john baptist interlude or about john baptist interlude and i think that's very interesting but before you leave this track this is going to be the next single off of the album and we're going to get the first music video for the album for this song and it's inspired by the black dahlia okay well that makes me wonder even more what candy necklace means and I will post the video. Lana's like posted like a outtake from one of the shots of the music video singing um, Candy Necklace. So I'll post that on our Instagram so you guys can see it. But it's very 
eerie and like even more if she's leaning into black dahlia that's very eerie and well that just yeah that just makes me think that we're on the right track here if she would possibly make anything inspired by the black dahlia then this is obviously supposed to be kind of spooky eerie horrifying uh i'm very intrigued and confused by that but let's move on because otherwise i'll sit here bewildered for the next 15 minutes trying to figure it out so like i said candy necklace leads perfectly into this interlude because kind of like the songs flow into each other like i've listened to the songs like back to back to each other and this interlude picks up perfectly in my opinion from candy necklace and john on his instagram posted a video of them making this song and it's literally lana holding a mic recording him playing a piano while she's like laughing and like running around the studio it's so eerie and listening to this song this is probably the most unsettled song i get because it's like the piano is beautiful but like lana's like giggling and like singing like airy and i'm like what the witchcraft is going on here i'm scared I am getting some witchcrafty stuff here in this album, definitely. And she has magic in her hands. So, um, yeah, I I also agree this one's creepy. I dig it. But, like, also it's still an interlude. Interludes are never really my, like, thing on an album. They're kind of necessary if you want to listen to the album top to bottom. But, like... I can't think of a single interlude from a single album that I'm like, let me go and listen Star to Star Girl interlude is a... So let's take that back. Anyway, um... <laughs> <laughs> let me just eat my words right now. Here's the thing here. Star Girl interlude... Okay, so I let me correct myself. There's one of two interlude options. It's either I don't listen to the album and I only listen to that interlude... Or I listen to the whole album and I never listen to the interludes. Unless I'm listening to the album top to bottom. Let's move on before I have to put my foot in my mouth. Okay, so the next song on the album, I'm not sure if I can pronounce it correctly, but I think it's Kintsugi. I think that's how it's pronounced, Kintsugi. And it's a Japanese word. And Garrett did the research here, but I'm going to just read what the word means. It's the Japanese art of putting broken pottery pieces back together with gold. Possibly referring to her heart? Question mark. (laughs) (laughs) So this is another slow song. We're back to the slow vibes after Candy Necklace. And this one feels very, very sad to me. I don't know if you agree on that, but... I think the lyrics are really good and I think that this would make like a beautiful funeral or eulogy song but it's also not one of my favorite songs on the album I agree this is a song that I'm sure there's a meaning to it however I can listen to this song once or twice and kind of get what I need out of it I don't need to like Mm -hmm. this won't be a song I go to a lot but I think this song adds to it being very personal I'm sure this song is very personal to Lana um yeah I don't know how or why, but I could see that for her. And like you said, it is very slow and the lyrics are very good. And she has a lot to say in the song. The song is, I think, over six minutes long. So there, I'm sure there is a point to it, but it's, it's on the slower side, like you said. Sometimes slower songs that are also very like lyrically heavy and lyrically intense that don't really have such a catchy chorus to them 
can be kind of hard to like listen to and hard to digest because it's basically like listening to a slow poem. Exactly. You know, so that can be kind of difficult, but I do like it. And like Garrett said, this this might be one of those ones that like it doesn't really apply to me now, but maybe later in life or in some other circumstance it might. So exactly. We'll, we'll keep it in our back pocket for now. So Garrett, we have a couple of songs left. Um, should we go ahead and take a quick little break before we get into the rest? Let's do it. Guess who's back in the house? He's click clacking about. We back. We're live. We're live. <laughs> so let's get on to fingertips, which this one is probably the most intense song. So this is going to be one of the songs on the album where we're going to get into some of those trigger warnings that we mentioned at the beginning of the album. Referencing some SA in the song, there's going to be um, self-harm and like the ultimate self-harm and um, death. So if any of those things, like we said at the beginning, are things that you don't want to listen to or don't want to jam to, we get that. Um, this one's definitely very, very sad and I would say it's probably not one of my favorites that I'm going to listen to so much, but it is one of my favorites on the album, like lyrically and musically. It's a really good song. I think this song's very necessary. I feel like we learn a lot about Lana in this song. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. And her family and yes, her life. Yes, she really laid it out on the table for us in this song. Yeah, and I'll let you like get into that a little bit. So like Garrett just said, this feels like she's really talking, either talking to her family or talking about her family a lot. And again, she's naming names. Um, yes. And it, it makes me, okay, so I don't know if you'll relate here, but some parts of this song make me think that she's referring to or recalling the same time in her life that she talks about when she's singing and this is what makes us girls. Like it reminds yes. me of this time before she got sent away kind of right before but she knew she was gonna get sent away yeah and there was a lot of bad stuff going on at that time there was a lot of just like darkness in her life so we get some of that and then one of the other things that i wanted to talk about specifically here uh she has a lyric called where she says she gave herself two seconds to cry Mm -hmm. and the first time i heard it i like stopped in my tracks because i was like wow that really reminds me of wonder woman where miley says in the song wonder woman all all her tears are planned and again it's like the way that it's written it kind of sounds like lana is and i could be wrong i could be misinterpreting it it kind of sounds like lana was abroad on a tour or during a show when she learned the news that a family member of hers had passed away by self-harm and um that she basically was in the shower and she had to give herself two seconds to cry and then she had to get ready and go perform a show so i could again be completely misinterpreting those lyrics and misreading them but if that's the case that's unbearable for someone like you or i to think of or to imagine i don't even know what it would be like to perform in some of the capacities that lana has performed but to perform for a crowd of thousands of people screaming after learning that a family member had just 
taken their own life is something that I can't even fathom, which makes this song really sad and hard to listen to for me because it is a triggering topic. Throughout this song, there were a lot of points that I found very hard to listen to, like full body chills, some of the things she said. So like you said, family was mentioned. One of the first verses, she says, and if I do... Will you be there with me? Father, sister, brother, Charlie, stop smoking. That's her brother. So she's like, please, like, I want to be with you as long as I can. Caroline, will you be with me? That's her sister. Will the baby be all right? Her sister just had a baby. Will I have one of mine? She's, Lana's like, which really, that's kind of like Lana talking about a baby. That's like Miley talking about a baby. I've never really heard Lana talk about having her own child. So I thought that was very interesting. And then she said, Oh my gosh, I know. Trust me. And then she said, Can I handle it even if I do? So she's like, She's like trying to like, I'm trying to think of the words to use. She's trying to like not plan her future, but like try to like kind of come to terms with she can't, she cannot Mm -hmm. control her future. That's what I think she's trying to come to terms with that she's going to have to kind of. See where it goes. And and it also seems like she's maybe trying to come to terms with some of the realities of her life. Yeah. You know, like, will the baby be all right? Will I have one of mine? Can I handle it if I even do? Or sorry, can I handle it even if I do? You said that I might. It's not fair. So they said to carry a child. I guess I'll be fine. It's like she's coming to terms with the fact that maybe people have told her she's not fit to be a mother yeah. or maybe she's told herself that she's not fit to be a mother so she's like can I even handle it it's also in a line a little bit up she says will I die or will I get to that 10 year mark I have no idea exactly what that means but it's like I don't know what 10 year mark she's referring to here but it kind of makes me think of like we like Lana's past this point but it kind of makes me think of like the 27 club and like for performers who, who make it to a certain level, there must be a, a fear, an undeniable fear of like, will I make it through this or is this going to kill me? Yeah. Because it's taken a lot of lives one way or another through sex, drugs, alcohol, through the paparazzi, the pressure, the like societal abuse and then mental health issues that come from all of the above and or just natural mental health issues that you have genetically like there are so many things that go into play that are hard enough for the average person but then doing it under a microscope where hundreds of thousands of people are watching insane and you mentioned that that was her father sister and brother but it is crazy to me that she says like if i do will you be there with me father sister brother she doesn't just name them and name names but she also names the relation that they are to her so she's like really opening up which is fascinating because she called herself lana del rey in the first place to close off all of that stuff yes and to leave it behind in a different world yeah so it seems like she's to a point in her life where she's doing a lot of self-reflecting and maybe healing and she's able to talk about these things for the first time yeah and she gets into topics that probably do take years to be able to talk about like one of the next lyrics I want to talk about, um, trigger warning before I get into it. Um, she says, in Rhode Island with dad, grandma, grandpa, and Dave, who hung himself real high in the national park sky 
it's a shame and i'm crying right now so that lyric right there she's obviously she's talking about she named them by name because it was interesting to me she says dad grandma grandpa dave so we don't know her relationship with this person Mm -hmm. but obviously no matter what this was very impactful for her as it obviously it should but it's a lot well she says i mean this is crazy to me too she says right before that Give me a mausoleum in Rhode Island with dad, grandma, grandpa, and Dave. So give me a mausoleum in Rhode Island with dad, grandpa, grandma, and Dave. So again, she doesn't tell us the relation. It feels like it could be like a brother or an uncle. Uncle? I'm feeling uncle. Definitely someone very close. It could be a brother because if it is someone who had passed away and we don't know how old they were when they passed away, I mean, it could just be a brother that we don't even know she ever had, but this is someone she wants a mausoleum with in Rhode Island. That's where she wants to be basically interned once she's dead. Like that's where her eternal resting place would be. So like you said, this there's no doubt here that this was an in- incredibly impactful death and experience and situation for her to go through. And anyone who has even a sixth degree of separation connection to someone who is unalive themselves knows that that is an impact that never ever ever stops and it's devastating it's something that like no one can deny is just a sad devastating tragedy so this song is like Gara said like just so hard to listen to but I want to know as hard as it is the lyric I'm not going to read it again but the lyric where she does describe uh dave and what dave did it is beautifully written yes and it like takes it takes something that is really ugly but she made it into something that maybe the way that the way that she wrote it makes it feel like dave is free and is in the sky and is in the trees and is in nature and he is like an angel or you know something he's in a better place the way that she wrote it really makes me feel that so I mean, props for good writing. And again, it's very poetic, but... It's tough. It hits home. It's close to home. That one's a tough one. And then I want to talk about um, a few verses down. She says, I had to sing for the prince in two hours, sat in the shower, gave myself two seconds to cry. It's a shame that we die. And I cannot Mm -hmm. imagine having to get that information and like you said you've touched on this a little bit perform for someone let alone the prince yeah that's insane the amount of pressure you have to do that performance and then with the information you just got you know like how would you don't even care yeah like i don't (laughs) you don't even care about the prince or the pressure or the performance you just care about your grief and your family and your lost loved one that's just un imaginable and then right under um right where yeah she i was finished. just gonna get into that too because like we it. can't deny so in the very next verse she says when i was 15 naked next door neighbors did a drive-by pulled me up by my waist long hair to the beach side i wanted to go out like you swim with the fishes that he caught on rhode island beaches but sometimes it's just not your time this is crazy chills on my body right now that's hard that's like hard like to listen to it's crazy uh right off the bat just any 
anything that starts with when I was 15 naked, not good. 15 year olds being naked should never be a topic of conversation or song or memory. It's just sad. Next door neighbors did a drive by, pulled me up by my waist, long hair to the beach side. I wanted to go out like you. Don't know if she's talking to Dave here or maybe even someone else, but I wanted to go out like you. Swim with the fishes, which we all know, like, swim with the fishes is another term for die, right? And the fishes that he caught on Rhode Island beaches, but sometimes it's just not your time. He caught on Rhode Island beaches. She could be referring to her dad here because we know that her dad fishes a lot, but that also could have been Dave. I don't know if Dave fished or not. If Dave was her dad's brother, then there's, there's a really good chance that that was something that they shared together as well. Again, that's just speculation. Allegedly, don't come for me, as Stephanie Harlow would say, but um, it's intense. This song is just super full of... Information. Information. Sad information. Yeah. <laughs> this could be the connection to A&W. This could be the experience that she was talking about. It's really hard to listen too especially like we love lana i don't want to i don't want anything bad to ever happen to her and knowing that this happened to her at such a young age and i mean i can't imagine the trauma that she has from it and being able to talk about this so publicly the strength that she must have to be able to come out of the situation and be able to talk about it and and then turn it into art exactly exactly crazy yeah this song is really intense um it's a very long song as well but those are probably like the biggest key points that i took away from this um track i think so too she she gets into some more stuff later in the song but it's a little bit um what's the word i'm looking for i don't really know what she's talking about at the end so it's like a little too hard for me to even a lot of places relate to or understand yeah yeah there are a lot of places there are a lot of people mentioned there's a lot of locations mentioned so it, it's hard to keep up with but i think this song is so personal to lana that like it's another one that she had to include to like make her full story if someone listened to the top to bottom of this album they'll know every single thing kind of oh definitely she laid and i'm so i'm sure this if she has a good relationship with most members of her family i'm sure this song is probably really important for them as a family I cannot imagine. Next up is one of our favorite songs off the album, Garrett. Wouldn't you agree here? I do I agree. Love, <laughs> I actually love. love this song. And before we get into it, I think this is another transition of the album. I think the rest of the album out is way less wordy, way less slow, sad. And we get more of kind of like the coming out of the tunnel, go, like seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Kind oh my of. gosh. <gasps> She's seeing the light. Could be. Could be. Okay. Well, tell Especially- us about it because you are the one who made me obsessed with this song. And I love hearing you sing this song. So let's go. So Paris, Texas was a song that I was actually excited to hear because Paris, Texas, I thought was such an interesting track title. Um, and I actually never heard of the feature. The features S-Y-M-L. Don't know who they are, but I did listen to one of their tracks called I Wanted to Leave. 
and it's basically the same exact instrumentals for Paris, Texas, just like Lana's singing on this track. Mm, so I thought that okay. was I thought that was interesting to know. Um, I love the instrumentals. I do too. Um, all over TikTok and Twitter, I've been seeing people relate this song to Caroline. <gasps> okay, that makes so much sense because every single time I watch it i've been like really like what is this and it made me think of like a creepy kind of eerie movie and i have it written down here in my notes it's creepy and i wrote that it's one of my favorites on the album and that it reminds me of the lullaby from casper like casper the friendly ghost Mm -hmm. and i went and i listened to casper the friendly ghost lullaby on youtube to like confirm or deny whether this is what i was thinking of and it was close but it wasn't right, but it still was like worth mentioning because I honestly think this whole album kind of reminds me of the lullaby from Casper and the Friendly Ghost. It's got that like weird, eerie, beautiful, but sad feeling to it. But that really makes a lot of sense. And Caroline's one of my favorite movies. So I can't believe I didn't like place that myself. But that really is it. And that's crazy. It hit you. you. I don't know what to say. This track sounds like Lana is traveling, trying to find her home, trying to find where she belongs, testing out different places. Um, I'm going to go to the lyrics real quick to read you a few because I think the lyrics of the song are so good. Um, I feel like we're always learning more and more about how Lana is a rolling stone. Literally. She's like always she on the go. Is. She's always, she doesn't have a home. Home is wherever her boots are. So one of my favorite things, this song starts off. She says, I went to Paris, Texas. It was like, Texas is like whispered, which is so camp to me because like, that, so that, would, cheeky. that would be me, bitch. I'm going to tech. I'm, I'm going to Paris, Texas. Like, bitch, don't worry about what tex- what Paris I'm going to. Like, like that's so cunt to me. Like, ah! I live. I actually live for that I'm lyric. I'm going to Rome. I'm going to Florence, Alabama. Like, stop. Like, it's so good. So I'm going to Venice, California. <laughs> um, so I love that. I think that's very funny that she did that. And then one common lyric, this is the first time we hear it, but it repeats throughout the um, album. When you know, you know. Mm-hmm. I, ca- I picked up on that too, and I noticed we had that same note, especially on the same song. Yes. Yeah. And it reminds me of Noah Cyrus, like, go, when you're ready to go, just make your move, but I won't follow. Like, yeah. But it, it's, you know, it's when, you, when you're ready to go, go. When you know, you know. It's time. And now I'm rhyming. It's so good. This song, like you said, the instrumentals of this are very, like, it probably carries a song to me. Like, the instrumentals are just so. Mm-hmm. The instrumentals also don't match the lyrics to Mm-mm. me, which is, like, makes it so addicting for some reason i love it and i love that she giggles a lot during this song she's got these like little giggly audios but i think they just add to like the creep factor i do too and one of my favorite things that she does in the song is when she says when you're home you're home and then she says venice california over it she's like (laughs) like whispering and like they're layering it it's so good to me it's so good love and you know what the little like giggly audios that i just mentioned i feel like the reason why they add to the creep factor is because they almost sound like audios of like a ghost <laughs> literally know? yeah like on those ghost shows where they bring in the little like beep 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 beep, beep we got something like ghostbusters 
it would be like, <laughs> and that's how a lot of freaking yeah. on these tracks. Yeah, I think the song is beautiful and I love it. I think it's like one of my favorite tracks of the album for sure. Okay, so on the next track, it, it reminds me of like some Fallout Boy songs and stuff. And this is the second time. Like, Lana, these titles are borderline obnoxious here. This is I love too it. long. Grandfather, please stand on the shoulders of my father while he's deep sea fishing, which samples Ryopi's instrumental tracks, or is it R I O P Y's? I would say R O P O Y's. I have no idea who they are. I just know that they were featured. <laughs> Ryopi's. And I think she did the exact same thing as she did with Paris, Texas. She took their instrumentals and used it for the song because I don't. I didn't hear anyone featured singing or anything. Right. Okay. Well, that makes sense. So this one's like another slow, pretty, kind of sad melody. Again, like it's just kind of following along with the same album. Um, I feel like I like this one more and more when I listen to it, but also I personally just don't relate to this one a whole heck of a lot. Like I like it and I like to listen to it, but I don't have any personal connection to like the fishing part of it. And like, that's kind of a relationship with my dad, but I like the like idea of asking your grandfather who's passed away to like sit on the shoulders of someone you love and like protect them and keep an eye out for them. Like that's sweet. And I like that. Um, But one line out of the whole song that I think really just stood out to me is when she sings that she is regrettably also a white woman, but she has good intentions, even if she's one of the last ones. That's bold. That's, That's a bold, bold statement. It's a bold statement, but she went there. Um, she's not afraid of a bold statement. Oh, though. no, she's not. We, we know that. I also agree. I think this um, song is meant for her father, if I had to guess. It's very personal to them. Um, one of my favorite parts of this song is when she starts, she says this multiple times. She's like, I know they think that it took somebody else to make me beautiful. And she uses that like she thinks that somebody else put me together again. Like she thinks, mm-hmm. I don't know if she's thinking about her ancestors, like her grandparents that she never met. Like she has like parts of them that like made her who she is. Or if she's talking mm-hmm. like um, other people think like I can't be myself because they think like my parents or like ancestors are like who define me. Maybe that whoa see i took it a totally different way every time i heard that and i kind of took it as like society thinks that i had some kind of like publicist like glam squad like manager completely changed my image that the reason i'm not singing as elizabeth grant is because they had to completely change me and turn me into a different person to make me what i am today but that's not the case that makes sense because she says that it took thousands of people to put me together again like an experiment some big men behind the scenes so that does make mm-hmm. sense i get how you see that but the only reason i mentioned the family aspect of it is because this album is so personal and like if oh it, yeah so if it could if there is a family relation to the song i think that might be it but like you said this song's beautiful actually i do like the chorus when she does sing the title how it builds on itself she's like Mm, mm, mm. like it goes and I really do like that part of it I like that part of it too I just wish the song was called three white butterflies or something like way more simple because it's like it's a lot it kind of I don't it doesn't like detract from the song in any way but it's just harder because like I'm never gonna be like Garrett have you listened to grandfather please stand on the shoulders of my father while he's deep sea fishing if you did I'd live I would live (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I just can't remember all of that. I can't even remember, like, people in my own family's birthdays sometimes. I can't remember all of that. That's so much. And um, I think I think I'm ready to move on to the next one. I think? am, too. And I'm going to introduce this one because I read your notes. And I know this isn't one of your favorite songs off of the album. But this is probably, like, top three for me. And oh, my God. What are the I, freaking odds? I am obsessed with this song. The lyric. Okay. All right, we're gonna go through it. I'll take this one over. Okay, right, so it sounds right, like it, it to me in my head. She's telling me a story. This is something she's experienced. So let me go to let my lyrics real quick. Lyrics. Let me pull up the lyrics because we're about to go through. Like, let me get my receipts. Okay, so she starts off. The instrumentals of the song, guys, are so beautiful as well. So she starts off with. Pick you up at home, quarter to three, ask you if you want something to eat, drive around, get drunk, do it over again. So that automatically makes me feel, I just see two people, like um, boyfriend and girlfriend, like have like different schedules, like or usually or work at night or something. And like they have always have like the days free or something. And this is like what they do. So they're like giving me like their daily routine kind of in my head. So then it says, wake you up at night, quarter to one. I can never stop. Want to have fun? Don't act like I'm the kind of girl who can sleep. Because she wants to have some fun. Okay? Okay. So, Lana. I'm living. And then, this is, like, where it really gets good, guys. She says, because every time you say you're going to go, I just smile because, babe, I already know. You know I got nothing under this overcoat. So, right there, I'm in an image of Lana driving around with a coat on, nothing underneath. And then she says, they join Lana and father, let the light in. So bitch, she says, open up, bitch, the light. I am the light. I'm glowing. And then it says, this right here is when she sings it too. She says, I'm at your back door yelling because I want to come in. She's like, bitch, I have nothing under this overcoat. Let my ass in. And then it says, turn the light on. So I'm like, I just I see a vision of Lana literally at this guy's back door screaming like, let me in. Like, bitch, you know, like, you know what I fucking have on. So... It just creates this whole image. Like, this song, I'd listen to probably the most of any of the song of the album. And it just creates, like, in my head, it's Lana and John Misty are, like, boyfriend and girlfriend in this song. Like, they're just carrying on. Like, I am obsessed with it. Like, it's really good. Okay, this makes a lot more sense to me now why you love it so much. Because you're just, like, enjoying the imagery of Lana naked and you're so obsessed with Lana. So, like, it all... It all makes sense. No, and, and it's all, it's also a beautiful love song because the bridge is probably my favorite part of the whole song. It says, "Cause I love to love to love to love you." Like I love to love you. It's so fun. I, and it says, "And it says I hate to hate to hate you." Like I hate hating you. It says, "Love that." Put that the beat. My one. Yeah, that was my one note for the song was that I love being able to sing the chorus. Or is that the chorus? It's or the bridge. Is that like the bridge. Okay. That was my one note for the song, really. Like, my major note was that it's so fun to sing the bridge. Like, I I love to love you. I love to be in love with you. Like, it's just so fun to sing that out. And then, I hate to hate you. Like, stop putting me in that position because I hate you, but you're making me. (laughs) And then she says, put the Beatles on, light the candles, go back to bed. Because I want to want to want you. I want to want you. I need to need to need you. I need to need you. Put the TV on, flowers in the vase, lie your head right there hold on this is crazy let me pause okay okay that's wild i never picked up on the lyric 
about the Beatles, but this song, every single time I listened to the album, the intro made me think of the Beatles music. Oh my God. I love that. Every single time I'm like, I love the Beatles and I know a lot of Beatles music and the every single time something about the way this intro starts and the music it reminded me so much of that that's crazy I ah, love that I never even picked up on that lyric and then the last thing I will say about this song because I have to hype it up a little bit one of the like during the chorus the last line of the chorus says look at us you and I back at it again I don't know I just feel it feels so wholesome and like she's talking about maybe like a past relationship or something but it gives me lust for life era vibes a little bit like when she did um some collabs on that album so I don't know it kind of feels nostalgic to me it feels like I don't know when I listen to it I feel safe if like and it was also I think I love this song too because all the other songs are very wordy that I was able to pick up on this song because we're two weeks in and like some of these songs I just I listen to every day and I don't know the song the words to because they're so wordy. <laughs> well, I'm having trouble because I just can't get A and W out of my head long enough to get something else in. Do you have anything to add? No, I liked everything that you said and you gave me more to consider and more to think about. I'll get back to it. I'll Good. listen to it some more after. This song, like Margaret, Fishtail, everything else is very like, we're getting into some life inside of us, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, okay. is a, which is a perfect way, way for us to lead into Margaret featuring the bleachers, which me and Chloe have seen live. And That's true. it was so good. I love Jack Antonoff, if you're listening. <laughs> okay. Um... So I do prefer Lana solos, definitely. Like, I would way rather listen to a song just with Lana in it than with Lana and anyone else. But if it is going to be someone else, Jack Antonoff would be towards the very tip top of my list that I would want to hear with her. Like Garrett mentioned earlier, this album has this recurring theme of like, when you know, you know, and this song goes right back to that theme. So perhaps Lana's feeling like she's in like a self-assured time of her life where she's like I know when I know and when I get that gut feeling I trust it because I know that I can trust it but Garrett (laughs) tell me if I'm wrong tell me if I'm crazy somehow Jack Antonoff's voice in this song is still giving me like very much church vibes and like sermony vibes almost also um Bon Iver vibes very much yes very much that it's giving yes it's it reminds me of Exile from uh folklore folklore yes by taylor swift very that, much like, really deep voice coming in out of nowhere surprising it, me it makes me giggle because i know that's not how jack talks or sings right? I, know he has- <laughs> I can't picture it i can't picture him singing this in the studio but like, I, it's weird but i like it i like the song because of the meaning it has it's about jack's wife margaret so I thought it had, I think that's sweet that Lana wrote a song about his wife. That's like a cute little connection about it. And I feel like the song is personal, obviously, to them too. But it, like, I kind of get like an insight on their relationship with each other because I, my favorite part of this whole song is when they start talking at the end, like, mm-hmm. the party's December 18th. All right, let's get like kick it into the chorus. No, like, I don't know what it is, but it's, like, random, okay, and I'm, like... I was going to say, I want to know what, what happened on December 18th. I know, I me too. I immediately and started Googling stuff, and I couldn't figure it out. If you know, you know. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. If you don't, you don't. And we don't. We, we wish don't. we could. <laughs> but, yeah, I also, like you said, when you know, you know is repeated again. And I don't, like you said, I think your theory of why she said it's good, but I would like to know, Lana, like, 
it obviously has to mean something if she's like including it in two songs if the two songs relate in any way but i almost wonder if like okay this is pure speculation and i'm totally making something up but i almost wonder if when she was with sean if she might have had some feelings that things weren't right and then like all this other shit came to light and she was like wow next time i really need to trust my gut like when i know i know something don't question up, but she doesn't want to question yeah. herself anymore like with the like going back to i could tell that you were calling me with the shower on like i knew something was up when i know i know but yeah i think this song it's cute it's not like it's not one of my favorite songs but i have listened to it a lot and I think I love that Jack's on it. I think that's probably my favorite part because we love we've seen Jack and like I love that they have a relationship and this I is their first song. It. Yeah, yeah, I respect I like it. Instantly respect it. I, I agree. I agree. Um, and I think this is a perfect time to move on to the next song, Fishtail, which I have to say, the next three songs, guys, are I was just gonna top yep. tier. Like these three, like the these next um She this, ended on a strong three notes yeah the the three song run is incredible and i'll let you start off what do you have to say about the song okay well i love a good fishtail braid so she got me hooked right from the get-go um she's in the bayou now like for one thing we're just in the bayou all of a sudden so she's, just she's, get I, that she said i love the bayou terrain she loves to be out there in the swamp so <laughs> I wrote down in my notes, every time I go to make a lyric, I see that Garrett beat me to it. So let me look <laughs> up at your lyrics and beat you to them. You're so funny. I wish that I could skinny dip inside your mind. What the fuck? Like, I love that. It's so intense. Okay, so some of the other quotes that I found were almost Victorian with you. You can talk to me, but lately I see you wanted me sadder. Almost Victorian with you. That just stuck out to me it was interesting and i don't know exactly what she means by that but i want to know and um i think that the sound this song also has kind of an unusual sound for lana when she sort of like gets into it and i again totally agree with garrett these last three songs really take the cake for this album like well maybe not take the cake but they take it at home yeah and um this one gets me pumped for Peppers, which is next, and Taco Truck, which is next. And by the time I hear Fishtail, I'm, like, just getting excited because I know my some of my favorite parts are coming. But what are your thoughts here, Garrett? Okay, so I agree. This is one of my favorite songs off of the album. I think it's really interesting the way that um, she sang and produced this track. It sounds like she has come to a realization in this song to me. For some reason, I feel like she's like, you know a what? A realization that you wanted me sadder. Literally, like, she's like, okay, you're a piece of shit. And now, like, I'm going to call you out on it, kind of. Like, that's, like, the vibe of this song. And like Chloe just said, you wanted me sadder. She says that a lot. And I feel like by saying it so much, she's recognized, like, you know what? You did want me sad. Like, you've made my life worse. You haven't been adding to it. And she just caught on to it. Yeah, so I- it's like being in a relationship and it's like... It's it's almost like in a movie or something, like in a relationship. It's like, you don't care about me. You don't love me. All of this stuff is for you. You yep. can say that it's for me. You've been acting like it's for me, but it's all for you. And everything that you're doing and every way that you're acting has been for you. And you've just been making me sad. And then, like, by you making me sad, it gives you an excuse to go out and do things that you want to do because I'm always sad all the time. Exactly. Another 
lyric I thought was really interesting, and I want your take on this lyric. She, she says, I'm not that smart, but I have things to say. Which, when she said that, it makes me feel like someone has said, you're not smart. She's mm-hmm. like, all right, so like, she's like, gotten all this critique, like, you don't have, like, stop, like, don't say anything. She's like, call me that, but I still have something to say. And the kind of, it kind of gives me the same feeling as Wild Card by Miley Cyrus. Having like, oh. having like, taking control. Like, all right, you know what, but I still am going to talk, like, whatever you say is not going to stop me. So that's kind of like my take on the that. the same feeling of Wild Card where you thought that that was something that Liam might have called Miley. It's like she's calling this specific moment out. Like, I'm not that smart, but I have things to say. It's almost like she's talking to the one specific person or the certain people that told her she wasn't Exactly. Like that, song, that part was like, if you know, you know, like it's directed at mm-hmm. towards someone. Yeah. But also, I'm not smart, but I have things to say. It makes me, it makes me think of the line... Like, I won't testify. I already fucked up my story. It makes me think of, like, men suppressing women in one way or another. And, Lana, you are very smart. And you've got things to say. And these are things that we want to hear. Yeah. So that's interesting. And I didn't pick up on that lyric. So I'm glad that you did and that we could talk about it. And I want to talk about the Ella Fitzgerald um, quote that you had so go ahead and read it and I want to get into that it's one. so good the chorus of this song is so catchy and so like upbeat so it's she says I was on the stairs Ella Fitzgerald in the air feeling hella rare baby if you care baby don't you dare say you'll braid my hair it's so good it's so <laughs> and good and then he says sounds pissed <laughs> she sounds she sounds pissed in the song to me I love it oh and I, I... love the I love the shout out to Ella Fitzgerald. When I heard that. I was, I was just going to say that too. Cause again, she's going back to this kind of like feeling of nostalgia in the album and like these like references to older things. And I love it. I agree. Yeah. This song is definitely like every time I hear it, it grows on me. Like I'm like, I want to inject it into my veins. Like be like in me. Like it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> be in me. Just like she wishes that she could skinny dip inside your mind. So that's a perfect transition to Peppers featuring Tommy Genesis because she also references skinny dipping in your mind. She says, take a minute for yourself, skinny dip in my mind. So that's really interesting that she she just said it in Fishtail and now she's saying it in Peppers, the song right after. Well, and also the skinny dip in my mind thing very much reminds me of the like cup. What is it? Open me up. Tell me you like it. Fuck me to death. Yeah. It's kind of that same vibe. It's all very intense. <laughs> um, I'm LOLing at your notes, Garrett, but Peppers featuring Tommy Genesis is one of my favorite songs on this album. I I, I might say of like of Lana's um, catalog. I mean, not my I'm favorite. Like, so obsessed. Yeah, I'm obsessed with the song. I oh. love it. So the first thing I said was, I pop my puss to this one because yeah, he does. Every time it comes on. Hands on your knees, I'm Angelina Jolie. I'm like, what is going on here? What it's does so... that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> but my favorite part, I would probably have to say, well, there's, I have two favorite parts. My first favorite part is when she says, I'm in love. And she holds it, first of all, because she says, I'm in love like that during West Coast and Ultraviolence. Second of all, because when she says, I'm in love, like it holds out until the girl like starts rapping Angelina Jolie over it. And like the transition of that, like, Lana, you could not have done it any better, girl. Like, I'm so in love with that. And um, 
my second favorite part of this song is the chorus. Like, there's a, um, right after the bridge, there's like a 30 seconds of just instrumentals, and you hear Lana go, la, 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 And I'm like, this is like, it like, makes you like bounce. I'm like, this is so like camp. I'm like, ah, I love. But, I love being in the recording studio. Just listening to her play and hang out. Me too. And then one lyric um, I do have to talk about because it's so weird. The first time I heard this, I was like, wait, I'm not reading this. What the hell did you just say, Lana? She says, my boyfriend tested positive for COVID. It don't matter. We've been kissing. So whatever he has, I have. I can't cry. (laughs) Like, what the we all know that anyone who's in a relationship knows, like, um, oh, damn, it sucks when your person gets sick because it's like, well, hasn't hit me yet, but give it 24 hours. I know it's coming. Like, Lana just be saying shit and adds it to us. <laughs> she literally just says whatever the fuck she wants. She always has. Like, literally some of the... Here we are analyzing this album. Probably a good half of it is just random shit that she's like, yeah, that could work. That could work. <laughs> Oh but my gosh. What are your thoughts on this track? Um obsessed. I'm just going I'm a, I'm going to say I'm obsessed with this one. Yeah. Um it's one of my faves. I'm loving the faster beat. Like definitely wasn't in the slow vibes right now, but again, something will happen to make me sad in like the next few years that'll make me want to be in that sad vibe. I'm going to say the next few years cuz I'm hoping I have a couple more good years of positive vibes, but we all know something's going to happen soon, and I'm just going to need my sad Lana songs. I think that this is going to be a top listen from the album for me, and also maybe for Lana fans. Mm-hmm. It gives me, like, that sassy side of Lana and reminds me of, like, her Diet Mountain Dew phase and a lot of those earlier songs. It just has that, like, kind of makes me feel like Lana's young again. Yeah. Like, it, it, it makes me feel, it's, it feels young. It gives me the end of... A&W. Yes, but like a whole song. The whole song, yeah. I agree. I agree. 100%. And I just feel like she's wearing like knee-high boots every time I listen I to I want a music like video for this. wearing knee-high boots. I do too. If she would I wonder why it's called that. Peppers. I don't know. I live. <laughs> so now moving on to the last track of the album, guys. We've made it. Track 16, Taco Truck Times vb which stands for venice bitch um now just starting this off venice bitch is from lana's previous record norman fucking rockwell which one is one of my favorite songs of all time and if you have not if you never heard venice bitch stop and go listen right now because it's one of my favorite lana songs it's a 10 minute song that she released as a single which is rarely ever done so so it's so so good and she sampled um she sampled it in this song so what was your Mm -hmm. opinion on this song chloe so i love this one and i'm so glad that she chose it to close out the album i I feel like it was the perfect way again i'm gonna say it makes lana iconic to be able to reference herself in her own song in her own album um and i think that there's again that similar singing style from like yayo and from paradise we get that again uh i think i'm mainly obsessed with the second half of the song i won't lie and venice bitch is one of my favorites so the first time that i listened to it i didn't know right off the bat and you didn't tell me so i didn't know right off 
the bat that times VB necessarily meant times Venice bitch. Like, I didn't know exactly that that's where we were going. I'm jealous because if I could have... If I could have had a raw reaction of not been knowing, shocked. yeah, I wish I could have. Yeah, I was been with shocked, you. and he, there I was listening to it, and then all of a sudden I was like, "Wait, wait, wait a second, wait, <laughs> hold on, like what's happening?" Like the first time I heard it, I straight up thought my phone like shuffled Lana Del Rey or something. I was so confused, and then I was like, "Wait, oh, okay, hold on, she's mixing it up a wait, little bit." Wait, wait, and it's so so good and it's the perfect ending you said this before so i'll say it here this song is like the bow that ties up the whole album into a nice pretty perfect little package it made the whole album make sense like now the album's cohesive with the song in my opinion i'm like okay i kind of like got everything together now and like i can like you said i can put it into a bow and close it off beautifully um yes one Lyric, I have to mention. It's so funny to me. It's the ser- second um, lyric in the song. She says, and it kind of reminds me of Chloe a little bit. He says, pass what? me my date. I'm feeling <laughs> sick. I need to take a puff. Imagine if we actually gave a fuck. And she says, fuck. I'm like, <laughs> inject me right now with that song because it's so, so, so. This might be my favorite song off the album. Like, Oh my god. Yeah, this might be her. I, I don't even know what you mean by your accusation. Pass me my vape. I'm feeling sick. I need to take Allegedly. a puff. <laughs> Allegedly. Imagine if we... Speculation. Actually gave a fuck. It's so good. I mean, I it's camp. It's camp. And then um, I said she's vibing. I love the way she sings. When she, when she turns into Venice Bitch, she adds like... You hear the Venice bitch chorus, and then she adds over it, get high, drop acid, never die, Lake Placid. (laughs) Stop right now, Lana. Like, I don't know who gave you permission to do that, but I didn't give you permission, so stop. Like, Jack Jack Antonoff, you put your puss in this. I will say, like, you produced the F out of the song, Mm. and I cannot imagine anything else, especially ending this album. Mm. Because, like, it goes back to my favorite Lana album, Norman fucking Rockwell. Like, if you, like, you know how to tease me. If you bring any Norman in there, like, you got me. I'm on a hook. Roll me in. Garrett loves, I mean, loves Lana Del Rey. And for him to come out and be, like, so supportive of a musician and a producer that wants to work with her, that means he has to really like it. Like, you yeah. would not say that. No, Jack's not, my... like, absolutely obsessed. Jack's probably my favorite producer Lana has ever worked with. I think he, like, they complement each other well, and, like, he pulls out some ex- experimental stuff out of her, I think. And I think they have, like, I a friendship so that that works well with each other, so. Well, and we, when we saw him live, it really felt like he was very, very musically talented like has a lot of command when it comes to music and control and he really really seems like he knows what the hell he's doing he switches he's talking about yeah he switched his guitar like five times at least during the whole set like he was he was in it and it wasn't a super long set (laughs) exactly no no like 50 minutes so he did it but i am so happy chloe we got through this album i got to talk about it i thoroughly enjoyed this album and i'm so proud of lana I love it. I'm so excited. I kind of feel like I'm going to get like really deep back into this album later in the fall time. Something Mm. about it just makes me think I'm going to like, it's going to hit totally different 
different once it gets a little like cool and eerie out but I love this album and I say that because I can already tell you this is going to be an album I'm coming back to all Lana Del Rey albums are albums that have longevity and like of course never depreciate value exactly. you know it's not like when you drive a car off a lot like these albums just get better with time they're like cheese or wine well before we end chloe i have to ask you what are your three top tracks from this album and it doesn't have to be in a particular order but if you do want to say your like song of the week maybe like your top pick okay what would that be no i can get i can give you my top three already in order because i didn't know if we were doing this yet but i put the whole album in order and it was not easy oof all right give me give me the top three really really hard really hard for our top three, number one, A&W. It's just my number one. I just Facts. It's a it. fact. It's a good one. I'm obsessed. Okay. And it like the fact that it, it lives rent-free, when I say that, I mean it. Like, I can't get the effing song out of my head. But I love it. Okay. Number two or three. Those are two that I really struggle with, with the okay. order. So okay. they're kind of tied. Peppers and Paris, Texas. Okay, okay. A&W, Paris, Texas, and Peppers. That's a good top three. Yeah. But this album is hard because I have like a top 10. Like I can, It's hard to pick. Yeah, I know. It was so hard to put them in order too because some of them are so like different and completely different vibes that it's like, well, I like them. I like this as one of my favorite like sad slow songs, but exactly. I like this as one of my favorite like pop my puss songs. Like this is hard because I feel like I'm picking children at this point and I don't want to, but I'm going to pick... <laughs> Okay. Okay, so tell me. I'm going to say, this is so hard. I have like a top five, but I'll do a top three. Okay. Number one, I'm going to have to say Taco Truck times Venice Bitch. I love it. Oh, for number one? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, ah. number one. Yep. And now, number two is a tie as well because I kind of get what you're going. I have like a five way tie for my second place, so I can't lie. I'm going to say Let the Light In featuring John Father John Misty. Because of the story, like, I just have, like, right off the bat, I connected with it, so I have to, like, leave her up there because I've been claiming her for a while. And then I'm going to have to say A&W as well. A&W is that girl. She she was number one for a while, and she still is, like, in the top, but some of these new ones have just, like, been are freshly in my mind, they're so I have to... They're so exciting. Exactly. And I think as I listen, my rankings are obviously going to change, but, yeah, those are my top three. So, Garrett... I will do some revision. I'll look at my list and I'll continue to listen. And these things do always change as we continue to listen. But just out of like curiosity, do you want to know? Sure, if you want. Because <laughs> this is like the first time that we've ever been so drastically uh, different you, here. I know you. I know Let the Light In is your least favorite song off the album. So yeah, Let the Light In is 14th for me on my list out of 16. And the 15th and 16th are both the interludes. But I'll give it another try. But Taco Truck, I really struggled to place. And I put it in sixth place because, like I said in my notes, I really like the second half more than the first. So I kind of felt like it wasn't fair to put it right up front. No, I get it. I'm like mainly obsessed with the second half. But it's interesting to me that those are in your top three. And that makes me want to go listen to them more and become more obsessed with them. Because I like to copy everything you do. But see, I'm also obsessed with Paris, Texas, Peppers, and Fishtail. Like those are like... 
Fishtail peppers and tartar sauce. Like, those are hard. Those are a hard three to like pick from. So it's hard. Well, part of the reason why I'm so obsessed with Paris, Texas, is because you've been singing it nonstop. Paris, Texas, is one of my favorites too. Like it's hard. Like if I had to pick three new songs without AW, Paris, Texas would be up there. But AW is just a classic, and I can't not. I also. It. Yeah, it is a classic, and it's, like, so fucking and saucy. Jack Antonoff, this is kind of funny. Jack Antonoff said A&W is his favorite song that him and Lana have ever done together. Like, in since Norman effing Rockwell, like, this is the best song. And it makes me laugh because there's a song called Margaret about his wife, and that's not his favorite song. <laughs> oh, my God, I love that. That's funny. I didn't know that Margaret was his wife, so that was something I learned today on the episode. But, um... Which makes that song cooler, and that makes me want to go back and listen to it again, because I was always like, who the heck is Margaret? <laughs> but <laughs> but um, I almost wish that you had never told me that Paris, Texas, and the music is, like, maybe reminiscent of Caroline, because I think now I'm never going to get the image of Caroline walking around with her blue hair and her yellow jacket walking around in the rain out of my head. When I listen to that song ever, I love it's it. always going to be there. I but love I kind it. of love that. <laughs> and it's kind of funny that that's the case because another thing I was thinking when I was listening to this album was it also kind of reminded me, like, not the music per se, but just like the feeling that I get from the music and like the eeriness also reminded me of like Tim Burton, Edward Scissorhands yes. music or like yes. Tim Burton music, which Caroline, I believe, is a Tim Burton mu- movie. I think, I don't know, but <laughs> but hey, I get I get the vibe that like Tim Burton is very like that kind of spooky, ooky, eerie, eerie, but beautiful, like creepy, but also like we're all drawn to it for yeah. some reason. This album, like I said, I think this is the most personal we've ever gotten with Lana, and I feel like I've learned stuff about Lana through listening to this album, and it was a joy. Like I honestly enjoyed this album tremendously. Tremendously. <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot, but even more than the album, I enjoyed discussing it with you, Garrett, and I had so much fun on here, and I Hi. hope the listeners enjoyed all of our analysis and our detailed deep dive. I had a great time, Chloe. I hope everyone listening enjoyed it. Where can they where can our besties find us, Garrett? So you guys can find us on Instagram at EFBF Podcast, where we post all of the behind the scenes of what we talked about on this episode. You'll get notified when we post a new episode. So go follow us over there. And we are available on Spotify and Amazon Music. Don't forget to rate us five stars. And I love you, Chloe. I'm Sophie. I got to discuss this album with you. I love you, Garrett. I'm so excited to listen to this album more with you. I know, me too. This is like such a this would be a good road trip album. Oh, that's so true. Yes. Now, I've been road tripping nonstop, so don't even tell me about road trips because I actually don't want to go on a road trip. But I'm like, except if that it's actually a- sounds kind of fun. Unless it's with me, right? <laughs> yes, if it's with you, <laughs> and if we play this album nonstop, then yes. Lol. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. We love you so much, besties, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.